Podcasting from Singapore and broadcasting all around the world. You're listening to the Ignite EdTech Podcast with Craig Kemp, created by an educator for educators and streaming to the world. Now, over to your host, Craig Kemp. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Ignite EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Kemp, and I'm thrilled to have your support. As most of you know, I continue to work with the incredibly talented Mark Quinn to improve the final audio quality of this podcast. He has his own podcast production studio that provides editing and mastering services to content creators. To connect with Mark, please see the details in the podcast notes below. Last week, I asked you about Global Maker Day and what you did. Check out the social streams for more. This week, I wanted to ask about the core edtech tools that you use. What learning management systems and other core learning apps or systems do you use on a daily basis? What percentage is student-focused and facing? And what are teacher-focused? Please share with me via our Ignite EdTech social streams. I look forward to hearing your responses soon. A tool that has positively impacted the authentic and purposeful use of technology into classrooms and meeting rooms that I have worked in is Elementary. Elementary, with an I, is an online platform that connects artists with writers to create and share interactive stories. They have over 10,000 illustrations and sounds with more added each week by the community to jumpstart stories. Stories published automatically credit and promote the artists whose art and music you have used. Elementary promotes arts, literacy and computational thinking in an engaging and collaborative way. They want anyone, even kids, to be able to write and code interactive stories. They're committed to building a platform where people can come together to read, share, write, and remix stories designed for the screen. Elementary respects student privacy, is compliant with COPA, FERPA, and has no advertisements. I highly recommend that you take a look at elementary.com. The link is in the description below. Last week, we talked about minimum expectations for tech use in your school. If you're interested in learning more, go back and listen to last week's episode. This week, I wanted to continue the conversation on minimum expectations and talk about actioning this as part of a strategic plan. As I've discussed in previous episodes, Culture each strategy for breakfast. So actioning a strategic plan is impossible to do successfully if you don't have a culture where people want to learn, want to develop, and want to grow. Build and develop a solid culture around edtech and its application first, and you will find the implementation of a strategy much easier. Moving on from that, let me presume you've already implemented a successful strategy and culture with EdTech in your school, and now you're thinking about setting minimum expectations, as we discussed and highlighted last week. As we mentioned last week, minimum expectations matter. They help you set a baseline of where you can work from. Whether these are front and center and shared to your faculty, or they sit behind the scenes and become part of your professional learning plan with EdTech, it actually doesn't matter as long as it actually exists. I call this minimum expectations. You might have another name for it, but long story short, it's a way of assessing our faculty's needs and setting a baseline of where we need them to be in order to be successful and move forward. We mentioned last week about identifiers like Google Certified Educator Level 1 or Microsoft Professional Learning Educator as a way of simplifying the playing field. Whatever it is in your school, 
It should be context specific. So when you have these expectations, how do you implement them? For me, it goes back to people, the most important things in your building. Who are your champions and who are your early adopters? Always start here because this is where you get momentum. Develop a plan with your tech committee, which I hope you've developed, and start getting teacher voice and choice on the delivery options. Will you start to implement these minimum expectations yourself? Or will you get buy-in from leadership and have them implemented as a strategy? Sometimes creating a plan and handing it on a silver platter to your leadership team to push the agenda is a great way of making movement happen. Having this as an element in your professional learning plan is critical. This sits inside your EdTech strategic plan, which ties back to your school's strategic goals. Having these helps you justify the why and actually move them forward. When you co-create these minimum expectations, you need to consider budget, time frame, and integrations of the skill sets learnt into other professional learning exercises. For example, when staff complete their training, are they expected to go back and deliver a session to their grade level team to support in lesson planning or delivery? If you're a coach, how can you utilize the new skill sets to drive this momentum? What's next? How do you continue this momentum? Planning this now is important because once a minimum expectation is set and you have a plan in place, you can't stop and let it sit. You have to know what comes next. Have this planned out in a minimum of a two to three year plan so you know where you want to be and everybody knows transparently where you're going. Three actionable ideas to help implement all of this are 1. Get buy-in from your admin or leadership. Have them drive this change and get them in on your sessions. Ensure they're some of the first people to be part of this training so that they can show others how important this is. Have teachers teach teachers as well. I call this the teacher next door model. When we put champions in front of people who are struggling, it often has a negative impact. So make sure that you have an array of people leading the learning with passion and energy. Number two, have a next step in place too. When people complete the first step, what will they move on to next? And how do you know this is impactful? Think about the data you'll collect and how you can justify continuing this. Number three, yes, this will make your job easier in integrating technology authentic and purposefully, but it's nothing unless you have a culture where people want to keep growing. Culture building never stops. So develop fun and engaging ways to entice your staff to learn, develop, and grow with technology. I've shared several ideas in previous episodes, so go back and have a listen. If you need help or ideas, don't hesitate to reach out, and I'd be happy to share them with you. And don't forget to check out eduspark.world, which is a huge selection of amazing professional learning opportunities for teachers and leaders, including a lot of edtech and innovation ideas too. I'd love to hear what you're doing in your school to facilitate this type of conversation within your faculty. Please reach out with your ideas and thoughts. Every week, I bring you a short interview with some of my edu heroes, an engaging learning conversation with someone that makes a difference in education every day, with a particular focus or angle towards educational technology. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with Mike Shankwa. Let's have a listen to the chat. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Michael Shankwan. Michael is the CEO of Lingoda, the number one trusted online language school in the world. 
Michael is fluent in six languages and leads a Berlin-based organization with people from over 30 countries who speak more than 40 languages. Michael believes that educational technology is years behind and the disruption in language learning has only just begun. Michael, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Are you ready to talk about education and technology integration? Um, Absolutely, Craig. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. Let's go. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your current role and what inspires you to do what you do? Sure. So I am currently the CEO at Lingoda. And as you said, it is an online language school based in Berlin, Germany. And we offer private and small group online live language classes around the clock with qualified native speaking teachers. Now, how did I get to where I am today and what inspires me? I, growing up in America, uh, grew up as uh, the good Chinese son, where I always tried to be. And a good Chinese son in middle school is good at math and science, and they strive to become an engineer, doctor, or a computer programmer. And I loved French class. My parents said, well, what can you do with that French? And I ignored them. I proceeded to take five languages simultaneously in high school. I guess it tells you a little bit about you know, what, you, what you're passionate in um, early in life. And I realized growing up in America that one of the things that we struggle as Americans is we, a lot of us want to learn a foreign language, but we don't know how to do it effectively. So as a comparison, 20% of Americans speak a foreign language, and most of those are probably first, second generation immigrants. By contrast, in Europe, 56% of people speak a language very, very well, right? So that's quite a, that's quite a, that's quite a contrast. And so I, 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 I wanted to solve the problems is like, how do we help Americans um, and others, especially English speakers, speak a, another language more, learn how to speak a language? And the, the best way, of course, is in-country full immersion. But of course, most of us don't have the time Craig, for that or money to do that. And that's why we created Lingoda. That's awesome, Mike. I, I, your journey is so inspirational. And, you know, even just the thought of knowing and, and understanding that many languages blows my mind. And when I come across, you know, people like you, I'm, I always want to keep asking more questions and go deeper and learn more uh, because it is truly inspirational. Tell us a little bit about that journey. What led you to where you are today? The question I get asked most often is, what is a Chinese American from California doing running a German company in Berlin? Uh, I, I would call myself an education tech CEO with Fortune 500 experience. And my career is divided into three parts. Uh, I graduated from Yale and I did what a lot of Ivy League graduates do, which is go on to Wall Street, work at Goldman Sachs and investment banking. I then um, went to get my MBA and transitioned into brand management or marketing. I said, Craig, okay, if I could sell soap, convince somebody to to buy soap for $10, then basically I could sell anything. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I learned to do. That's what I learned to do in those five years there. And then I said, you know, I was like, okay, what I really want, what I really want to grow up and what do I want to be when I grow up? It's like, I really want to innovate and create and change the status quo. And of course, going to a much smaller company and a startup is, is where you often do that. And I said, okay, what sector? My parents put a huge emphasis on education. And it's what got me to where I am today. So I decided to devote my life to education. 
And so my first startup, Terra Education, um, in California, we offer service learning travel programs for high school students. And um, then, of course, my second startup, I moved to Germany, uh, which is Lingoda. Amazing. Yeah. What a what an inspirational journey. And like I mentioned earlier on, like I'm still blown away that you're fluent in six languages. Tell us about those languages and how has it helped you in your career? Sure. I am fluent in, I'll count English because uh, it is language, English, uh, Chinese, and Spanish. And I uh, speak French, German, and Japanese. Craig, it's helped my career tremendously in, in one important way, and, and that is working with and leading people across different cultures. So as a very simple example, because I could talk a lot about this, in, in Argentina, uh, men kiss each other as a greeting. In Japan, they don't touch, they bow. So this concept of distance in this simple example is reflected very much in the language. So I always say, having studied several different languages and uh, that come from different parts of the world, the best way to understand a person and to communicate with somebody is through the language, because it's the language that drives the culture and everything that we do and the way we think. And I call this cultural quotient or CQ. And I know you have a lot of uh, uh, educators online. The thing that, you know, I, I grew up uh, in the 80s and 90s, and they talked a lot about IQ um, and EQ, of course, right? And I would say that the, the next evolution of that is CQ, right? Is awareness of your own culture and that of the others, because you'll most likely have to work with lots of people from different parts of the world. And so at Lingoda, we pride ourselves on being a United Nations of the 21st century, whereas 200 Lingotes were from 45 countries um, and we speak 30 different languages. I think that's what makes us, uh, that's our competitive advantage. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Like how many people and the diversity of not just geography, but also culturally as well. And I, I really love, you know, when you shared cultural quotient, it's really got me thinking as well about, you know, the depth of that and what that means. Uh, and it's going to be something that I go away and think about a little bit more as well. So thinking now, you know, Mike, about EdTech in particular, in your opinion, what does disruption in educational technology look like? You know, how do educators listening here today actually embrace this disruption? Sure. That's a really great question. I'd summarize in one word, and that is access. And for the educators, how to use that access as part of their learning, as part of their teaching. I'll give you, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, I think a lot of um, Americans and English native speakers like, your, like ourselves want to learn a language, but they struggle. And they've wanted to since middle school or high school. Um, they become skeptical. You know, in high school, you, um, you get put in a large class. Um, there's not much speaking. Often the teacher's not uh, native. And, and so it, you actually don't learn so much of the language, even though you spend a lot of time there. Then we had the creation of the apps. The, the apps came out, uh, like Duolingo, Rosetta Stone, among many others. And those were really fun and exciting. Uh, but then you would use it and then you still can't really speak. So I think there's a lot of skepticism. And I think, that, I think the misnomer is that people say, well, learning language, like I need to be talented. Right, Mike's talented in learning. Of, no, it's not that. It's actually about access. 
to the right solution. And so what Lingoda has done is to bring a better class experience taught by live native teachers from, okay, French for France, German for Germany, et cetera, et cetera. It's a structured curriculum based on European standards, and it fits your busy schedule so you can learn anytime, anywhere, the access. And so to answer your question, I think educators should incorporate solutions like Lingoda into their curriculum. Um, if I were a high school administrator and we say, okay, we have these Spanish and French classes in school, people don't take them seriously. They're not learning that much. One thing that I think that could be very effective is that you supplement your classes with some of the new um, ed tech solutions like Lingoda. So for example, if you have your Spanish class um, given by the teacher there, you can give students access to more speaking practice with native speakers through Lingoda as an addition. And that would make the Spanish curriculum much more fulfilling. Yeah, that's, that's a very cool strategy, I think, as well. And, you know, living in Singapore and being in this cultural melting pot, you know, I know firsthand the power of learning language and understanding culture with language as well. So I really appreciate uh, the resources and ideas that you've shared. Let's jump into some quick fire questions. You know, the first thing that comes to your mind and, and maybe a brief why what is your hashtag one word for 2021? Hashtag one word would be flexibility. So flexibility in working, uh, but also, of course, um, flexibility in education too. Yeah, so critical. What's your favorite EdTech book or resource? Yeah, I was, really I was recently recommended this book called uh, Power Up Blended Learning by Caitlin Tucker, who is an academic based in California. And it talks about this access of how you blend um, live learning with um, technology. I, I know Caitlin very well. I, I've worked with her a little bit, so I can too endorse her work and her book. So it's, it's a small world sometimes when we jump into this sort of thing. So I appreciate that shout out for her. What is your go-to EdTech tool that the listeners might not have heard of that they need to try? So I'm going to give a plug for another Berlin-based edtech company. Uh, it's called Blinkist. Um, and they offer, uh, basically, they summarize nonfiction books that you can read in 10 to 15 minutes. So you get the insight um, and you don't have to read all 250 pages. Or if you want to read all 250 pages after, it's a, it's a great way to get started. Nice. I'm definitely going to go and explore that one. What's one daily habit or practice that helps you enjoy progress and succeed in your career, Mike? There is something called the Miracle Morning Routine by Hal Elrod. It's a very short process. It lasts six minutes. You, uh, I wake up um, every morning at 7 a.m. and I go through the same setup of um, intent, uh, setting my intentions for the day, uh, doing a quick meditation, visualizing what success looks like, and uh, doing a little bit of writing in terms of what went well, what I could have done better yesterday. And that actually sets me up for success uh, throughout the day. Yeah, that's all. I'm just having a look at it now. It looks really cool. By the way, we'll make sure all the links to these are in the podcast notes below as well. What's your favorite education-focused quote? I, I love this. I, so it's a quote from Nelson Mandela. And he said, if you talk to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. If you talk to him in his own language, that goes to his heart. 
That's very cool. Very, very cool. Stopping and thinking about that. You know, Mike, you've given us so many buckets of, uh, you know, wisdom and and information and inspiration today. And I know the listeners are going to want to follow and connect with you. What's the best way for them to do that? The best way to follow and connect with me is on LinkedIn. And uh, really look forward to to connecting with uh, any of your listeners. Uh, Love to meet new people and hear about what's going on in the world. Awesome. Mike, hey, thank you so much for your time today. Inspirational. All the links to the things that you mentioned in the podcast notes below. Looking forward to connecting and engaging further soon. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, Craig. Thanks so much for having me. Next week, join me for episode 70 of the Ignite EdTech podcast when I am joined by the amazing Tisha Poncio. One of the things I love doing is giving away prizes. So thank you for tuning in, listening, and hopefully following the Ignite EdTech podcast. Last week, I gave away a seat in the EduSpark professional learning portal valued at $200 for one year of unlimited learning and engagement at eduspark.world. To win, you needed to complete the form at bit.ly slash edtechwin. The winner has already been contacted directly by me, and it is... Megan Tepfenhard. Congratulations, Megan. This week, I'm giving away another seat in the EduSpark professional learning portal for one year of unlimited learning and engagement at eduspark.world. To win this incredible prize, you need to go to bit.ly slash edtechwin and complete the simple form. It'll take you less than a minute to do. The link is in the description below. Competition closes on Wednesday the 27th of October and the winner will be contacted directly by me and announced on next Friday's podcast episode. Good luck. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please smash that follow button and share it with your colleagues, friends and families. Please remember to spend two minutes to rate this podcast too so we can reach even more people and edtech enthusiasts globally. Please share your favorite part of today's episode by tagging us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And don't hesitate to ask me questions that I can answer in an upcoming episode. Remember, you have the chance to win as well. Check out the links in the description for more, and I'll see you again next week. If you liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode. And be in the drawing to win prizes every week. If you know others that would enjoy the show, please hit that share button and brighten their day. Join us again next week for your weekly EdTech hit with at Mr. Kemp NZ. We'll see you again soon.